Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here are your hosts, internet brand strategist Sandra Beck. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and we are in our second episode with Randy Pazin. If you guys love what you hear today, check him out on Coach Talk Radio. We have three uh, episodes with him. We're really lucky to have him. He's a leadership uh, executive, trainer, coach, you name it. Randy, you're better at giving us the bio. For people who haven't heard the first episode, please introduce yourself to our audience. Well, thank you, and hopefully people are back for a second episode, which means we did a good job on the first one. So if you if you weren't able to join us in the first one, so my name is Randy, and I, uh, I have a, a great career. I've been doing it for a long time, and as Sandra said, I, I do a lot of leadership training and professional development training. I currently work for a uh, one of the top defense companies in, in the world, although we're not representing them at all. We uh, And one of the things I started doing is doing these classes outside through the, the city of Ventura, and then we, we've got a website and a company that we built because the city of Ventura has asked us to do these things, and, uh, and, and we're really excited to be able to bring some of these things to, uh, to everyone. So my background, besides working for the last uh, you know, 11 years for a, a top-tier defense company, I, I've worked in other industries as well, the uh, healthcare industry for one of the largest healthcare providers, uh, in a reprographics company for the world's largest reprographic company, and then the, uh, of course, for a media company as well. And, and we're not going to name all the names because it's not important. But uh, and all doing you know, leadership development type roles, you know, leadership, professional development, organizational development type roles. I also have a military background. I was able to spend about uh, 14 years in the reserves. First part of that, I was basically a door gunner in a, in a helicopter unit that flew SEAL teams, which was a lot of fun. And then after 9-11, when my first enlistment was out, they, uh, they asked me to stay, and I became the enlisted training program coordinator for a very large overseas command. So I had an opportunity to do leadership development and team building type development uh, for, for a number of different organizations, military, civilian. And the number one request that, that I get from leaders is, hey, Randy, I need you to come and do a team builder. And we're going to talk about, well, what does that mean uh, when, when we get a little bit deeper into the program? Well, I think that's really important because everybody says, oh, yeah, you got to work together. you got to be a team. You know, and that's like great lip service. But mm-hmm. I think it's really hard today, Randy, because you telecommute. You work right. a lot of out of your home and then go to different locations. I clearly work in my home studio and, and I own a technology company where the people who work for me, there's people who have worked for me for 15 years, Randy, and I have never met them. 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, right. they could be in India, they could be in Afghanistan, they could be in Korea, they're in Japan, or they could be like in Louisiana, Montana, you know, areas that I don't travel to. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell me we need some team building, which I agree we do. Right. Eh, <laughs> I got well, nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you know, if, if you work with virtual teams and I'm, and I've been on a virtual team, uh, in my, in my, you know, my regular job. Uh, for the last uh, three years, and uh, you can do team building virtually. It is a little bit more challenging, and you need to think a little bit harder at how you're going to do those things. And the just like any team, you know, what you look to do is understand the individuals and what what the problems, if there are any problems, 
with the team. And sometimes you do team building when there are no problems, you know, to kind of just keep the team together. In fact, uh, after, you know, work today, that's, uh, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be working with a team that has absolutely no problems. It's a new team and they just want to start off on the, on the right foot. And I'll tell you a little bit about some of those things that, that we do with, with those types of team builders. Uh, so, I mean, how do you want to start? You want to talk about, there's always these analogies between sports teams and, and work teams, you know, corporate teams or business teams, and they're always so fun. I mean, we can talk about that, and then we can kind of go into characteristics of a high-performing team and how do you get there, you know, some tips and some tricks and all that. So uh, do you want to go ahead and start with sports teams? I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I think that's so, good. So, you know, I am not a sports guy. I will tell you that every four years, I'm sorry, every two years I watch the Olympics, and I get, you know, two years' worth of sports in like two weeks. I just I just immerse myself. So if you ask me who's going to win, for example, the Super Bowl, I might tell you the Lakers. That's who I'm voting for, the Lakers. I don't know that much about sports, but I do know this, that in in work and sports, there's a lot of similarities. So, for example, baseball. Now, in baseball, you have teams of people that play in sequence, right? There's a, a play, and one play follows the other play, and there's some common skills that all baseball players have to have, right, Sandra? Right. I mean, what, would, what do you think some common skills are for, for baseball players? Um, throw, catch, run, spit, scratch. Right, exactly. So you got it. You got it, right? So that's exactly what baseball is. But there are some specialized skills, right? If you're a first baseman or a catcher or a pitcher, some people have specialized skills, but you all have a common set. Now, you can see that same type of organization in in what? Hospital units, trauma units, where everybody has no certain things. Right. Manufacturing, where one thing has to follow the next. So you find that in some organizations. Other things are, are more like football, where they play in parallel. All the players are on the field. Again, people have specializations, but they're all playing in the same kind of way. And then you've got offense and defense. But, but for the most part, people and things are happening in parallel. Again, in manufacturing, you might see this, especially if you're a fan of the, of the Toyota process of manufacturing. You're going to find that people work in parallel. Then you've got other teams like and jazz bands or, or basketball where, where everyone is playing, but one person might be an impromptu leader of the team because they have the ball at that moment. Or tennis, right? Same thing. And so, and it's okay if you're not the designated leader of a team and if you are a leader of a team to allow others to be that kind of impromptu leader based on their Skill sets. Well, that's like with my virtual tech teams. You know, when we do a job, Randy, we might have somebody who's a sound engineer. We might have a video producer. We might have a copywriter. And, you know, when you have those teams like that, yeah, there's like, I'm the leader. I'm the team leader, I guess, if you think about it. But I throw the ball over to the experts in their field because I don't know what they know. And they need to be the leader on that portion of the project. And that's the sign of a really good leader, that they don't need to have their hand on the throttle of the whole time. They can allow other people on the team to to be that expert and to take the ball and run with it and not feel that they have to be always the person who's making the decisions or the final decisions. They trust their team and we'll talk about. Well, um, and I think I'm just going to jump in here because one of the things that I always thought about, you know, and I haven't had your team leadership, you know, training program or anything like that. They need to talk to you about that. Yeah, okay. Um, but when I would, when I do lead my teams, one of the things that I do is I choose people on my teams that they do what I can't do, they do right. what I'm not good at, or they do what I hate doing. You know, some of this programming I can do, but I hate it. I would rather stick needles in my eyes than sit there for 16 hours and program lines of code. I can do it, right? But 
and it's not a good use of my time. So I think in team building, there's also team selecting if you can do that. Some organizations mm-hmm. don't let you select your team. You're just stuck with them. Right, but you can certainly leverage your team and you can find out through, and this, we'll get to this in a minute, but you can find out from people what what are the things that turn you off at work? What are some things that turn you on about work? So I'll give you a quick example that we'll get, we'll get back to how some of these best practices work. But so knowing your team is absolutely important. And the, the best way to do that, of course, is to meet with your team one-on-one. And, and we, we just, we fail to do that. One of the best leaders that I ever met was, was a man who worked for a very, very, very large, you would all know the name if I said it, uh, Reaper Graphics Company. And this man managed teams on three floors of a very large building. And uh, in the morning, what he would do is, and we're not at the very beginning of the morning, but at some point, he would get up and walk around to every single person. Now, he wouldn't break his stride. He would just keep walking, but he would look at you in the eyes and say, good morning, Sandra. And if you didn't say anything, or you just said, good morning, and, and he would just keep walking. He wouldn't break his stride. He did that every morning. And again, at about 2.45 in the afternoon, he would get up and walk around. Hey, how's it going? Now, if you had a problem, there's your time to stop him and say, hey, let's just pretend that his name is Charlie because that's really what his name was. And we'll say, hey, Charlie, you know, I got a problem with my computer. My system went down. I got a problem with a customer, blah, 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 whatever it was. But if you didn't, you still knew that even though you had a one-on-one for five, ten minutes with him that week, that was your time that day that you connect with him. Now, a story about Charlie. Wait, Char- so you could do that like I do that on IM. You absolutely. My just, teams I just are on get. IMs. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. No, 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 no. It's fine. She gives it away. No, it's okay. I don't uh, give it away, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here trying to learn. I'm actually taking notes because I know. I know you no are. matter how good you are at what you do, you can always learn something from somebody else. Right. I mean, and if you're if you're paying attention in the audience, Sandra has said several things that demonstrate really amazing leadership. And if you were to ask me, what are the qualities? Of a, of a highly effective leader. She's already demonstrated some of those. One, you know, knowing your team. Two, being able to communicate your, with your team, even if they're virtual. And three, not always having to be the expert. I find so many leaders in today's world that feel that they have to be the expert in everything, and they don't. Uh, so back to, to, to this whole thing with, you know, how do you connect? Well, I, I work on a virtual team. So what I do, and uh, it might drive some people crazy, is every morning, I, I am every member of my team. Good morning. How's it going? No need to respond. Just good morning. I'm thinking about you. I hope things are great. And and I usually get a response back, you know, and I'll, sometimes I'll even say no need to respond. So um, communicate, communicate. Now, the story about this guy, Charlie, is in the five years that, that I was in that organization and watching, you know, the top tier leaders, in that five years, not one person left his team except for a military wife whose husband got transferred from California to Florida. That was the only person who ever left his team. And when he had uh, openings, there were lines of people applying. So I know that we're going to be going to a commercial pretty soon. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how to get started with really effective teams and team building. Well, you know, we do have a a minute or so before break, so I wanted to share with the audience one of the things that was a real eye-opener for me. And, you know, when I worked in the entertainment industry, I really got this solid. And then when I um, when I formed my own technology company, I learned this, you know, lickety split. When you are in charge of, of certain things, 
There is no way you can know everybody's job inside and out that you can have that expertise. You know, when you look at a, a, a sound studio, you've got cameramen, lightmen, gaffers, you know, you've got people who run the commissary and the food, and there's so much to know about all these moving parts. Well, when you work in technology like I do, there's people who speak different coding languages. There's different expertises everywhere, and that really is a parallel to most jobs anywhere. And I encourage you to know what you don't know, but let go of what you don't know, because those things are really what trip you up in running a company and running a program and running a team. Because knowing what you know and knowing what you can let go of, I'm a big NTK girl. I'm a need-to-know basis. Don't copy me on 50,000 emails. Send me an email that says, please read this or this is the update. This is the report. There's so much over-communication that isn't necessary. And the communication that we do need needs to put on a need-to-know basis. This is Sandra Beck of Coach Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard today, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on TogiNet. We come back from the break. We'll be visiting with Randy Pazin for more team-building tips. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central, it's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Do you realize that sugar-sweetened beverages are the number one source of calories in the United States? Weight Watchers says so and encourages you to think before you drink. A 12-ounce can contains the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of sugar. Most of us drink one and a half cans a day, which is a roaring 500 cans a year. Drinking one can of regular soda a day can cause you to gain as many as 10 pounds in a year. Even if you drink diet sodas every day, you need to go easy. Every once in a while, it's okay, but drinking sodas daily is not a good choice. Drinking pure water is the best, and green tea is another great idea. It's important to stay hydrated and healthy, so scale back on sodas and choose water instead. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Hey guys.
guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and we are talking team building today with Randy Pazin. He owns Two Trees Leadership, and he is an expert in his field. He's very, very good at what he does. I love having him on the show because I don't really have to do a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. So No, no, it's good because you have the knowledge, and I'm just mining you for knowledge and taking my notes over here like everyone else is. I don't know about that, but thanks. So we've been talking about team building, and one of the things that a lot of teams – you know, just don't have our, our visions and missions, or they do have a mission statement and it's something that was written 20 years ago and it's in a picture frame, it's covered with dust and it comes out every time the corporate executives come out and they, you know, or it might be on a, on a work badge if you have work badges, you know, but how many people really know what your vision is and what your... I don't even know what my vision is most there days. There you go. And so, and, and, and you know, it, the vision is going to help you figure out, you know, what you're doing, where you're going. The mission is how you're going to get there, right? So how are we going to do what we really want to do? What What's our objective? Without an objective, you're, you know, you're, you're just kind of running around and doing things and reacting. So, you know, I would say that your vision is to provide, you know, absolutely top information via, you know, radio or other media to help others succeed in their world. And I mean, just, you know, playing with some words, that would be what I would think. So, so having a defined vision is great and a, and a mission, but then you've got to get your team to get on board with that. And one of the things that I've told leaders for years is if you don't have one or it's time to redo your vision and mission, make it a team building activity and bring your team in and get some of that great sticky paper. I don't want to give away any, any branding, but you know, there's one company that uh, has a, a number and a consonant in there, and they make this great paper that sticks to a wall, 3M, and then oh. you can you can <laughs> go ahead and, sorry, I've never even said that before, and line your walls and just have people start thinking, what is it we're here to do? What do we want to achieve? And when, when they do that, they own it. It's theirs, right? And then your employees, whether, Sandra, whether you have virtual people all over the world or there are people right here, they're going to get on board because it feels good to be part of a team and well, something and bigger. Well, and I think it's got it, right, it's the something bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big part of it. Like when I do team building in my company and we are all over the world, especially in the radio arm, I'm a multimedia company, so we've got this radio arm. And when I tell people I am from a small town and most of the people in my neighborhood didn't have the benefit of Ivy League education, all this, you know, corporate training. That's $10,000 to go to some of this stuff. And, you know, by the grace of God, I got some of this training through Disney and CBS and Coldwell Banker, you know, some of the best training programs in the world. My mission is to bring that information to everybody listening so that education is not economics. Education is free for the people. Anybody who wants to absorb it, consume it, make a difference in their lives. My mission is to elevate everyone by bringing some of the best people in the world, yourself included, to really educate us all. Because when we know better, we do better. Right. And everybody in my organization gets it. There's not one person in my core group that wasn't from a small town, that wasn't from a disadvantaged situation. I mean, there's no Ivy League Silver Spooners in my organization because no. they don't get it and they don't want to do that. But when you come from a little town, you want to do this. Right. And, and you know, it, it's, it applies to everybody. This stuff, whether you're working for a, a Fortune 100, if you're working for the local barbershop or the shirt manufacturer, whatever your industry is, you know, this thing, these things we're talking about are going to help and, and apply. And whether it's with a team, with staff, with vendors, with people who are suppliers, all these skill sets help. And I think probably we should start out, you know, maybe thinking about your know, stages of teamwork. And I know that's something we hadn't talked about before, but it'd be kind of interesting to talk about because 
you know, really, there's there's five stages of teams. Okay. Four four for most organizations and five for really big ones. And let me start out with with how this might work. You know, when when people get together, when you're trying to form a team, right? You get people together, you bring them into a room, and and you might inherit a team that's already for, that's already established. But but these stages really apply to everybody. So you bring them into a room, and you get people who are probably a little bit like-minded with similar backgrounds, and they get into a room, and they start to get to know each other, and they share experiences and ideas and things. And Sandra, let me ask you a question. When you get together in a room with people who are like-minded, and you know you're going to have to do something together, and you start to share things, what is it that you discover about other people? Well, I don't know. I like that we like each other. I mean, well, it's usually no, see, when you're common, you like each other. Now, see, that's interesting because this is the forming stage, right? When you get together and you form the team. I'm always surprised I like people. I mean, so maybe I'm not well, the right person well, to and, and actually, actually, I was going to say, the second stage would make you completely opposite of what most people discover. And that's when you get people together in the room, they, that people piss you off because they have really passionate feelings and thoughts and experiences. And they think that they're right. And you think that you're right. Not you, Sandra, but the, the metaphoric you. And so... So what happens... See, I'm in a group of introverts. We're a bunch of nerds that get together and we think they're not going to like me. I'm not going to like you. And then we get together and like, wow, I really like you. Right. And you know know how you can tell a a really extroverted uh, nerd versus the introverted nerd? Just to tell a little joke, which you're not supposed to do, but we'll do it anyway. You know, really... You know you're talking to an introvert. Right, I know. Okay. You know, introverted nerds... You're not going to insult me on the air, are you? No, 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 no. And and this is not true about Sandra Beck, but introverted nerds, uh, they look at their shoes when they talk to you. Do you know how you can tell an extroverted nerd? They, they look, look at your shirt. No, they look. No, no, no. That's that's a felony. <laughs> no, they they look at the other person's shoes when they're talking to them. So we get to the story. Oh, okay, so okay. so after this, you realize that people are passionate and they might have opposing opinions. Then you get to the storming stage, and the problem with the storming stage is that the leader like brainstorming. No, storming like we're going against each other, and there's conflicts and clicks and people run to the boss all the time and the, the, the manager, the boss, the leader is in the middle of all this crazy vortex. Or the introverts just start to cry and go to the bathroom. That, that, does, that does happen sometimes. So you've got a forming stage. That was my stage. MO, by the way. I'd be like, oh gosh, I need to go to the bathroom. And, and then cry. I just wouldn't come back to the right. meeting. <laughs> right. And I, you know, sadly, sadly, that's not the first time I've heard of it and not the first time I've seen it. Uh, I, I, I Lots of people in the bathroom crying. It's a great place. So that's why they, maybe that's why they have couches in the girls' well, room. Well, conflict don't know. avoidance. You know, when I get into a team building situation that's full of conflict, yeah. I don't want to be there. Well, but here's the funny thing, because that leads us to the third stage. Okay. Because... What happens is, is you get the forming stage where you're getting to know each other, the storming stage when you break off into clicks and I want it this way and someone else wants it another way and you've got these followers. But pretty soon you realize that you still have a vision and a mission and something to get out, right, for the team. The purpose, right, because you'll get fired if you don't. Right, or you'll go out of business if you're an individual, you know. And, and so what happens is you all of a sudden realize we got to get something done. And then the team starts to norm. And they start to establish rules and policies, and they figure out how they're going to work together, how they're going to communicate, how they're going to re- return correspondence, things like that. And so we have that And that kick norming. the people off the island that don't conform. When does well, the kick the people off the island start? You know, in really, really great teams, that takes care of itself, believe it or not. Well, yeah, they usually quit. 
Yeah, they realize they're not they're not going to align with this highly functioning, highly performing, highly engaged group of people, and they just they think, oh no, I want to I want to be the grumpy Gus. We'll talk about them in a second too. Well, but, and can I just share when yeah. I built my first built my company, I had all these because it's motherhood, you know, or motherhood incorporated is my corporation, and I had all these moms that work from home in the tech fields, and we would show up in ponytails and jeans and sweatshirts, and this broad kept coming in with her Lexus and her Gucci Prada, you know, mouse and computer case and we all hated her and even though she was really good at what she did she had so much perfume on so much makeup we all felt like crap because we were moms working from home in the tech fields which means you don't fix your hair and makeup and you know nobody liked her and so she self-selected her way out of the organization like that and there's one lady in the audience right now going i don't know she hated me no just yeah well so so we have pretty obvious all right well we have those three stages you got forming storming norming and then finally you realize that the things that that separate us are far less the things that brought us together in the first place. And you start performing. And the clicks go away. The leader can start actually being a leader. And or does not... the click become one big click? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's one big group of people. It's a really good way of putting it. That they become one one click. And, you know, now you start to perform. And the leader gets to actually be a leader and strategize and think about things that they want to do next or their own development so then they can move on, the leader can move on to do something else and then well, and bring the rest of the team. Well, and you can actually lead. Like, that's the thing. It's like, if I'm busy doing your job or, you know, we've got the best producer in the world, Karina, today, if I'm doing Karina's job or I'm doing your job or I'm doing the owner's job, you can't, you know, you just can't. Right. And then the, the, the other stage after performing is unfortunately sometimes organizations make a fatal mistake and the, the mistake is this. They see a highly performing team and go, oh, well, what we'll do is we'll just divide those people up. So we have a team of seven people, and we'll take those seven people, we'll make seven new teams, and make one of those people be yeah, on no, team. Yeah, no, we're not pod people. We well, cannot be replicated. Right, we're not way. holographs, right? The thing is, like, you take something, you throw it on the ground, you make a bunch of pieces the same. It doesn't work that way. So for those of you who lead teams or lead organizations, please don't make that fatal mistake because it never, ever works. And they, and they actually show it on, on situation comedies all the time. Right, you have something good, you break it up, you think you can replicate it, and it just dies, and everyone dies. Now, here's the thing, Sandra. It sounds like those steps that I said, forming, and then storming, and norming, and performing, and then like adjourning, which is the fifth bad step, that those things happen in sequence, and it's they don't. They right, don't. it's not like grief. It doesn't fall in those perfect lines right. like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross taught us. And when teams sometimes go through a, a change, whether it's a leadership change or a computer change or a product change, they might go from performing right back into storming. And, and here's what I tell leaders of teams about that. It's a bad example probably for some people, but it's the only one I can really think of. Uh, Sandra, have you ever drank alcohol before? Very rarely. Okay, but you knew that if you were to line up, let's say, 12 cans of beer... As you continue to drink those cans of beer, you would eventually start to feel a little different, right? And you have a decision to make. You can continue drinking more of those cans of beer and and it'll change. Or you can stop because you know what that feeling is because you've experienced it before. And then you go back to what? Normal. And so leaders, when they experience the storming stage, if they just stop, and don't jump in, they can get their team back to normal by not buying in to all the chaos. It is very, very normal for teams to go from performing to storming in the life cycle of a, of a normal team. So I think that's a, probably a good point to make before our, our first commercial, these, these four or five, depending on where you are, steps in teaming. And then when we come back, I think we should probably start with the first element 
of highly effective teams, which is building trust. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I just wanted to share with you that when you lined up 12 cans of beer, I thought I need to get my shotgun because we only line up cans of beer in the country to be able to pick them off and practice target practicing, Um, which is why communication is so important because here's Randy teaching this whole thing about, I don't even remember what you were because I got lost in the gunshot analogy, but um, it's important that we enjoy what we do. It's important that we work together and in team building, whether it's virtual or physical, these are really great tips from Randy Pazin. We're going to be back after the commercial break. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. When the critters get restless here in the apple tree of weirdness, there's only one thing that calms them down. It's the sounds of AstronetRadio.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A quandary that many people find themselves in is they want to lose excess body weight, but they also want to maintain valuable muscle mass. They don't want to spend a lot of time lifting weights and working out to increase their muscle mass, only to lose it when they lose weight. We know that women more than men typically lose muscle and strength as they age anyway, so it's even more important for women to keep valuable muscle mass. According to a recent study, adding more protein to your diet while keeping your calories down is the best way to lose weight and keep healthy muscle. To promote a better muscle-to-fat body composition, continue to work out with weights, keep your calories low, and up your protein. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey 
guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio, and we are visiting with Randy Pazin of Two Trees Leadership Training. His website is 2TLT.org, but it's best to find him on Facebook under Pazin, P-A-Z-E-N. We're talking today about team building, and you know, for most of us, we work virtually, especially if you're listening today, you're most likely working from home, working in, even if you are working in an office, knowing what your management is trying to do really helps a lot because to be fair, Mandy, I mean, I am an introverted tech geek and with a very high IQ. And one of the things that happens is I think I know why somebody's doing something and more often than not, I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I'm right a lot of the times, but I'm wrong a lot of the times. And when you understand what management is doing and why, even mm-hmm. though it might not be how you would do it or what you would agree to, knowing why somebody's trying to do something from your, you know, like the superior right. hierarchy chain makes all the difference. Like I can sit in your meeting and going, okay, Randy, you're going to do trust building exercises. I'm not going to fall into your arms. I'm not going to fall into a group of people. I get why you're doing it. You know, so I'm less apt to shut off. I would hope that you would fall into my arms just by the way I'm speaking today. But okay, <laughs> fine. So, so here's a, you, you just spun a web of like 45 different things that we could go, go through. Uh, let me yeah, just, that's why I'm good at what I do. I know, but then I've got to respond to them. So here's the thing. Um, you know, when you talk about things like um, the why, the why factor, and this is what what I when I do team building for for you know organizations, I always talk about the why factor. Most most people in today's world don't have to have things their way. Most adults don't have to have things their way, but what they do need to do is be heard. And I, I saw this personified in a, a large organization, and. People were, it was a large manufacturing organization, and they were making suggestions to leadership on how to improve productivity and how to improve safety and, and morale and all those, all those things that employees normally make suggestions on. And the, the morale was going down and down, and they were becoming more and more disengaged and worse. They were becoming actively disengaged, which means that instead of just not caring, they were going around and saying to people, you know, God, doesn't this place suck? Because it's one thing to be disengaged and just not be a cheerleader. It's another to be actively disengaged where you start convincing other people that, you know. Or I call it anti-engaged. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a different, different way of putting it. But yeah, where people just don't, not only just don't like it, but then they recruit others to not like it. Well, so what we found out in this one manufacturing organization was that while these suggestions were being listened to by management, I went to, to some of the senior staff meetings in this particular organization and listened, and, and, and darn it, they were talking about those suggestions, and some of those, those suggestions were, were being adopted or adapted and, and implemented in the organization, and then others were not. The problem, the disconnect was, is that the leadership never explained why those things that were not being, you know, accepted were, were not, you know, it's out of budget, it's out of scope, it's, it's, it's not aligning with other things that we're doing, uh, maybe next year. And so when you don't hear the why, that's when you start to get that disconnect. Again, people don't need to have things their way, they just need to be heard. That's all it is. And, and one of the things that, that and, and being heard is one of the first elements we're going to talk about is, is trust. And everything in, in teams, and all teams are really relationships, it, the first thing with, with any kind of relationship is it starts with trust. And if, if you don't have trust within an organization, let me tell you something, uh, it, things fall apart fast. It takes longer to get stuff done because people, one, 
are, are constantly looking over their shoulder to make sure that no one's trying to get them. Uh, we find that when there's an absence of trust, people are pitted against each other. People don't volunteer information. They're in it for themselves. They're not there to, to help their team members out. Things well, they take... protect themselves. Sure. Well, that's it, yeah. Uh, things, you know, if I was saying this to a live audience, I would say, well, what, what, what's the evidence? Well, there is a live audience. They're just not, like, right here. That's, well, that's what I meant. So what's the, what's, you know, the evidence of having a lack of trust what would that look like? So if you were in an organization, Sandra, where, where there was an absence of trust, what would that look like to an observer? Well, I wouldn't participate. I right. wouldn't speak up. Right. I'd make copies of all my emails. I would keep a separate set of files on a zip drive so that if there's a lawsuit, and I certainly wouldn't stick my neck out on anything. Right. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Meetings are, are really, really quiet. How is everybody doing? And you just hear crickets. People are not doing things for the organization. They're doing them for themselves. They're protecting themselves. They're looking for other jobs during meetings. You know, you've got this complete absence of trust. Now, as a leader of a team, I can't walk into a group and say, you know, here's a brand new team. You walk in and say, hey, I am Randy, and I'm your new leader, and you got to trust me. Why do you think that doesn't work? Telling me to trust you? Yeah, I need you to trust. Hey, I'm the new leader. you got to trust me. What? Yeah, why not? Because, you know, I don't know you or I might have, you know, met somebody like you in the past. So I'm predisposed to not liking you. Right. And talk is cheap. You right. know, we can see that with the political elections going on anywhere in the world at any time. People make promises they never keep. Right. And that's you, you hit it on the head. You know, yeah, because I'm an expert in trust issues. There you go. There you go. There you go. Sandra Beck. So here's here's trust issue expert. Here's the thing. There are really two schools of thought when it comes to trust. And you can all relate to this because you probably had teachers that were like this. So so think about this when you go all the way back to like like early years of education. You probably had teachers that said to you, Hey Sandra, welcome to my class. You are starting out with an A and all you can do is work your way down. So you're starting at 100, and you can work your way down. Then you have those other teachers that say, hey, you guys are all starting at zero, and all you can do is work your way up. Unfortunately, I think in our society, we have more of the latter, where people say, I'm not going to trust you because I've, I've run into people like you well, before. Well, I think the presumption immediately is it used to be like, oh, he's educated, he's successful, he's my boss, I trust right. you. Now it's like, you know what? You're my boss. You're educated. I don't trust you. Right. And you know why that is? Because so many generations have watched. Right now, we have five generations in the workplace. If you include like the younger part-timers coming in, we have five generations. First time in, in the history of man that we have five generations. And you look at some of the generations, um, well, I'll just say like I think mine. trust goes down for each generation. Because Right. Because the generation, that generation has watched the generation before work for companies, drop dead of heart attacks at their desk, work on weekends, work at night. Watch our government black. hierarchy and politicians not be truthful. I mean, exactly. all these things, I think, contribute. And when I work with the older population versus the younger population, I can feel that. Mm-hmm. I can see somebody who might be in their 50s or 60s accept me as a leader almost immediately. Versus the twenty somethings and thirty somethings are like, all right, let's see, let's see if you can kick it old school, new school. What can you do? Right. And they, there's a much longer trust timeline. And when dealing with with generations, you know, some people have trouble with, you know, the millennials, the younger generation. We we actually have workshops on dealing with generations. And what's so funny is when you map out generations. And while I don't like to make stereotypes or generalizations, you almost have. But to. But there's trends. Let's just talk about trends. Right. 
when you map those out, what you find is that the the youngest, larger population, the millennials that are in the workplace right now, really have the same values and, and things that they and how they approach work as some veterans, with one exception. They've watched so many people that have have been betrayed by organizations and churches and government. And so trust is like, no, 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 you gotta show me. And it blows my mind in larger companies when I see these uh, people who are more of the senior millennials, if, if there was, and they come up and they're like, they're like, um, hey, senior executive vice president of world order, uh, why should I listen to you? And they'll say that to their face. You're like, sure. oh my God, I would never say that because I'm old. And, and yet that's what they do because that trust hasn't been earned. And that's the thing with trust. You cannot walk in and say, I'm the leader. You got to trust me. You got to walk the talk. Well, it's one of the things that I joke about on my radio shows. Walk the walk. I ask them, why should we trust you? Why should we listen to you? Right. And that's it. What What is the reason? Now, one of the things you can do right away to help build that trust on the team, there's a couple of things you can do. One, of course, always be honest. You know, if you don't know something, don't BS your way through it, especially younger generations. Again, they'll see right through it because they're not going to automatically trust you because you have positional power. Be honest. Be humble. If you don't know something, say, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to find out. Let me look into that. The second thing is you've got to do what you say you're going to do. So if you say to your team, I'm going to I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to look into that. Write it down. You might forget. Put it in put in an email to yourself right there. Have somebody else write out a note if you're in the middle of a meeting and say, you know, hey, Randy, you said that you would follow up on this. Make sure do what you say you're going to do. Another way to, to build trust, again, is to get up, walk around, and be with the people. That whole thing about management by walking around, it's not just an organizational theory. It really does work. And we always talk about things like having an open-door policy. That's great. But unless you really are out there amongst your team, and you can do this virtually, Sandra, right? You don't need to be face-to-face. No, but you do it like I'm going to say. Some of the things that I do is I get on Facebook and I get on LinkedIn every morning before I start my workday. And for the gals and guys who work for me, I go immediately to their stuff. I look at if they posted something with their kids, like first day of school, if they've posted something about that, you know, woman who took a picture of whatever, um, I go in there and I post on their Facebook so that they know I'm there, they know I see them, and we encourage each other using social media. And yeah, I do get on and I I am them or send an email, hey, good morning, this is what we're working on, or this is my schedule, if you need anything, you can reach me here and here. That communication isn't by the phone. It isn't face-to-face, but it's used through social media and used through email and texting and IMing, um, and it can make a huge difference. Right, and that's and that's the thing. You know, it's, it's it's just that constant contact and knowing that you're you're really welcome to talk about and really to be your whole self and to to not that you want to let your guard down, but to maybe filter out some of those things, those those bricks that you have, and and to be yourself and you and people feel comfortable with a leader. Trust happens. Trust takes time. You can't just again walk in. No, you in can't and just say, go in and blow it into the room and say, "Trust me." And so what I'm because thinking- those are the ones you don't want to trust. The ones who walk <laughs> in the room and tell you right off the bat to trust you—that's a good red flag. And then sell you a car. And so <laughs> what I would say is, when we come back, let's talk about the next step in this whole thing, and that's uh, really effective communication and how we can maybe better communication. 
Yeah, because I know it's funny. I communicate for a living, but I'm not real good at kind communication. I tend to get to the point, need to know, and, and that doesn't work for a lot of people. So we're visiting here. This is Coach Talk Radio with Randy Pazin and Sandra Beck. Uh, you can find Randy on Facebook with P-A-Z-E-N. If you have any questions about what we're talking about today, you can also check us out on iTunes, Coach Talk Radio Show and Toginet. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. You can look for this episode and many episodes like it. We have three episodes episodes with Randy Payson. You're not going to want to miss it. If you liked what you loved or you liked what you heard today, check us out online. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. When the critters get restless here in the apple tree of weirdness, there's only one thing that calms them down. It's the sounds of astronetradio.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Tis the season to be thankful and to reflect on all of God's goodness. I am especially grateful for you, my listeners. Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond is broadcast across the world on the American Forces Radio Network and goes into over 179 countries and every U.S. ship at sea, multiple times a day, seven days a week. It is also broadcast across the United States on numerous radio stations several times each day. Thank you for your emails and encouraging words. I am passionate about healthy living, and I'm thrilled that this radio feature is making such a difference in the lives of so many millions of people. I am grateful for you and declare that 2016 will be your healthiest and fittest year yet. I will be with you all the way, cheering you on on the radio. Merry Christmas from Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and we're here with Coach Talk Radio visiting with Randy Pazin. He is a training expert and he is a uh, leadership team building expert and we're so happy to have him here today. We've been talking about a lot of different things. The biggest thing that I think it's all well and good to talk about when things are going right, but when things are not going right, especially communication breaks down. Yeah, exactly. And you know what's so funny is we talked about trust. That's really the first element is, is building your trust and then 
Yeah, the second thing is communication, and it is the one differentiating factor that I can identify between highly performing, highly engaged teams and uh, and those that make the top half possible, if you know what I mean. Right. Ron, when the t- communication breaks down, when people when trust breaks down, communication starts to break down. Well, it, it does. And what's what's so bad about that is that without communication, nothing really happens because without in an absence of trust, people communicate differently, right? There's you know there's well, okay, you want me to do something? Let me send you a confirming email. Let me document everything that happens, everything that's said. And so you know we talked about this a little bit with with time and time is money. And if you're a a smaller organization, you know, you probably are aware of that much more than a larger organization. But when people don't trust and they start to communicate poorly, it's 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 costing you as an organization thousands and thousands of dollars. We talked before in the presentations uh, unit about how how much a single minute costs. Right, we were talking about an episode that aired last week. You guys can uh, check it out on Coach Talk Radio. Uh, we talked about the the actual cost of some of this stuff and. For an example, when I call a meeting at my company, since everybody is buyout labor, you know, they're all, uh, you know, per hour people. If I call an hour meeting, it can cost my company $200. So it better be a really good reason for me to call a meeting. And when trust breaks down and communication breaks down, I don't even want to talk to anybody. And how and how many meetings do you have a year or a week? I mean, think about that a month. So, so you know, things with, with communication. Uh, again, we took an experiment where we took an organization that did a, uh, an engagement survey. And we, we were able to get some very, very good, valid data from this organization. And we looked at our top performing teams. We looked at our bottom performing teams. And our goal, obviously is to get our bottom performing and bottom engaged teams into a really engaged mode because when teams are engaged and they like what they do and they like who they do it with and they like who they do it for, they perform better. We, we know that. And this is historical data that dates back 60 years. And so when we interviewed all the top performing teams in multiple states, we, we took the teams and we brought them into a conference room. We took the manager out of the room and brought them someplace separately. And we, we gave the team members you know lunch so they were entertained for a few minutes. And then we would ask the leader, so what is it? What's your secret about getting your teams to be so highly performing and engaged? And what do you think they said, Sandra, to, to the person? One word, one word. Communication. Communication, absolutely. They said, not only do I communicate with the team regularly, but the team communicates with each other regularly because they trust each other. I don't need to be the central point. So then we would leave the manager. We would give them a candy bar to keep them happy. We'd go back in the room. And the team had no idea the questions that we asked the manager. And we asked the manager, or the team rather, hey, got one question for you. What's the secret sauce? What's the silver bullet? Why are you guys so engaged in what you do? Mm-hmm. You know what they said? One word. Communication. They, we communicate. Yeah, communication. Well, and don't you think chemistry helps? I think chemistry comes from communication, though. Oh. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, post hoc ergo proctor hoc for those of you who took Latin, but, you know, yeah, therefore because, yeah, you know, therefore because of it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, therefore because of it. And, and so, you know, does that happen? Does chemistry happen? Sure, but in order to have, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people out there that have a physical chemistry, you know, that you just look at someone and you really like them. And you've probably had a situation where you look at someone and you just don't like them, but you couldn't articulate why. Right. Yeah, that happens. But for the most part, it's because you communicate and you, you share things. And that communication has to be frequent and open and honest. This is what we discovered with these, these teams is that you know, when you are, are making frequent attempts at communication, 
uh, things get going, things are accomplished, and it's it's a much better place to come to work than. I mean, would you rather come to work with people you get along with, or or people that you don't? Whether no, you're virtual I, or well, not. No, I built a national team that you know made more money than a third world country. And one of the things I did, I was able to build it from scratch because I think there's two different, we've got apples and oranges here. You've got groups that you're assigned to make into a team and then you're building a team. And I always like to build my team because I like, I hire the person I like first and then I worry about getting the skills. Right. And so there's a couple, you know, there's a couple things you can do with that. You know, it's that, that, that philosophy you just described is that I can train anyone to do anything, right? I mean, you know. Because if, if they like it and they want to learn. So what do we do? We hire for attitude and we train for performance, right? Oh, okay. I guess that's the... the you, you're so good with all these corporate buzzwords. And I'm oh, just, no, that's Randy. That's not corporate. Oh. I mean, I'm sure some corporations say that, but that's, that's what we do, right? We hire for attitude. Right. That's what I would do. Because, or I hire because I like you. If I, I don't like you, I won't work with you. Right. And if, if you hire someone that is disengaged or actively disengaged or who's a bummer, so, so I'll give you... They drag... The whole organization down. It's called mirror neurons. You can't affect us. How how humans are hardwired. Let me give you an example. So Sandra and I are walking in opposite directions. We're facing each other and walking towards each other. I should say in a hallway. I have had the best morning. I found a hundred dollars in the parking lot. I got a great end space. Everybody is just smiling. And here comes Sandra. And I look at Sandra. And I say, Sandra, how you doing? And Sandra looks at me in the hallway and she goes, I'm tired. I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't think about it, but now all of a sudden I'm tired too. And I look and say, hey, you know, I'm tired. Let's go be tired together. And then we find five other people. And now they're tired, right? Oh, this is way beyond. Sorry, tired. Sorry, and that's and that's what that's what happens. And so, yeah, you know, I I always say, listen, hire for attitude and get those people who you want to be around, and they're going to fit with the team and the team dynamic. Because I don't care how good you are, I don't care if you're going to bring the rest of the people down. You're not worth having on the team. Or poison or infect the team like a virus with your bad attitude. And there are people who are like that. It's sad. So when we think about communication, it's great to talk about. Let me give you uh, a couple things that will help. One is a thing we call cascading communication. And this is something that if you are on a team or a leader of a team and some decision is made that's going to affect any other person on the team, what you have to do is communicate that to the affected person. So in other words, if I'm running a project or a program and there's a meeting that happens and, and I'm not in that meeting but it affects my project, then as a good, effective, and, and, and loyal team member, you have a duty to come to me and say, Randy, we talked about your project and you better gear up because something's going to happen. So if I was in manufacturing, let's say, in a manufacturing organization, let's say I'm the shipping manager and somebody was talking about, hey, we have an urgent need to ship 500 units, I would go to the shipping manager, me, and say, or I'd have someone come to me and say, hey, Randy, you better make sure you got 500 boxes because we're going to ship that. Right, we you need give them a heads up. Right, you exactly. Under the bus. Right, exactly. And don't let that person get caught with their pants down. So, so cascading communication 24 hours in person if possible, if not on the phone. Don't rely on email. I'm telling you, I work in a virtual world. Email is such a it's so confusing as a way of communication if that's your mainstay. And we know if you Well, and stuff doesn't come through, stuff is misinterpreted, you don't have facial cues, you don't have voice inflection, and you might write something that's really funny and I think you're an ass. Right, exactly. Uh, if you if you're a big fan of research, there was a study by a, a guy named uh, I think it's it's Al, Al, yeah, Albert Meridian 
at UCLA as a professor. He talks about communication and, and how certain elements of communication affect communication. And what we find, I'll just give you the bottom line, is that 93% of communication has nothing to do with the words. It has to do with your body language and your tone. Only 7%. Of, of your words really affect communication. So, wow, if you're doing things through email where we lose tone and body language, wow, you're only going to be 7% effective if you buy into his research. So regardless, if you have good communication, you're going to rock. If you don't, you're probably going to be faced with some conflict. And that's- well, and I, I'm just going to jump yeah. in here because yeah, I yeah. think it also is it's what you're communicating. You know, like when I communicate work I need done, I find email is great because I can give instruction, a task list, they can come back, and there's a record of this conversation. But if I have to talk about something outside of an actual to-do list or a task list, then then I will choose phone. But I think both of them, I'm just going to you know say that if you communicate to me a list of things to do, I will lose 95% of them verbally. But if you send me an email, these are the things I need to do, this is the checklist... I'm your girl. And and when we're talking about teams, the best way to communicate is how you establish it in team norms. And you know, norms have to do with how we communicate, how frequently are we going to respond. What we're doing. What we're doing, how we do it, vision and mission. How are we going to handle conflict? All those things are rules. And most teams don't sit down and have rules. And absent of rules, you have chaos. Imagine soccer. You have kids that play soccer. Right. Can you imagine if you had a soccer field without lines on the field? Right. Or how, people aren't playing their position. That's, they're all running around after the ball. Right. How, how would you know when you're out of bounds? And so let me just talk about conflict really quick. Because when there, when there is conflict, it's usually because of something that is, is not about the issue itself. One thing is what we call the mm-hmm. fundamental attribution error. And that's me looking at, at Sandra saying, you know, Everything that comes to Sandra is because she's lucky, but anything that comes to me is because I work hard. Anything bad that happens to Sandra is because she's not a good person. You know I'm kidding. I love Sandra. But anything bad that happens to me is because I'm just unlucky. That's, that's a false error. Conflict, and conflict can be good. Conflict is healthy in an organization or a team. Because if you have good conflict, that is. Because you're finding the root cause. You're finding what's the best thing for the team. And you can have a disagreement with somebody and then walk away from that knowing that the solution you pick is the best one for the company and for the organization, for the team, the individual. So you want to find out what the root cause of that conflict is and then attack that. Not things like history or not understanding what the conflict is about, or demographic differences. And yes, people in the South look at things different than we do in Southern California. People in England look at things differently Mm -hmm. than we look at here in the United States. That's just a fact. And so we want to make sure that the conflict is about the conflict and not about something else that clouds the issue. So I know we're getting close, but if you want more information about teaming, we can tune into other episodes, I would imagine. (laughs) Yes, you can. You can. I'll be your marketing guy. And this is Coach Talk Radio. My name is Sandra Beck, and I'm your host today. We've been visiting with Randy Pazin. You can find him on Facebook under Pazin, P-A-Z-E-N. He owns a company called Two Trees Leadership Training. We're going to be back next week with a uh, topic that I think is pretty interesting. It is this Myers-Briggs type indicator, personality assessment, blah, blah, blah. It's Mm. not something that many of us who own their own businesses can afford or understand, but it really is going to help you understand uh, how Mm. to use this type of information on a daily basis. We'll be back Mm. again next week. This is Sandra Beck from Coach Talk Radio. Have a good one. 
Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck and Scott Frazier, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.